Romans chapter 4, Romans the fourth chapter, Romans chapter 4, and um, we'll begin at verse 19, Romans chapter 4 and verse 19. So, um, amen, let me, let me read these verses and then we'll talk and come back to them, amen. Romans 4 verse 19, it says, and not being weak in faith... He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Now we had some pronouns here and if we'd have read more from the fourth chapter you would have a little better insight. So let me make sure you understand exactly who and what we're talking about here. Um, This is speaking of uh, Abraham. When God promised in his old age and his wife's old age that they would give birth to a son. And of course we know that son to be Isaac. And um, when they first uh, were told this by the Lord, um, the Bible says that Abraham fell on his face before God and laughed. He didn't fall on his face in worship. He fell on his face and he laughed out loud and said in his heart, um, I'll paraphrase, how can a man my age, uh, you know, have a son? Uh, how is this, you know, possible? Um, and then we see that was in Genesis 17 and Genesis 18. Um, we have basically the same response from Sarah. That... <laughs> You know, she laughed, and she said within herself. Um, and so if you understand what's going on here, um, he was, what, 100, and, and I think Sarah was, what, 80, 90 years old, and never had a child, even in the prime of their, their lives. And so now that they're at th- that age, um, they thought it um, impossible uh, to have a child. And so, again, let me read the verses to you. This is speaking of their journey going from weak in faith to strong in faith. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, in Hebrews 11, we have a definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love that definition. It's kind of like the definition of love that we find in 1 Corinthians 13, um, which is even a lengthier definition than the one we find of faith in Hebrews um, 11. I'm offering to you tonight that as important as that definition is in Hebrews 11, the simplified version of what genuine faith really is. It's found right here in this verse, verse 21. Fully convinced, fully convinced. The King James Version says fully persuaded. Not almost convinced, not almost persuaded, but we might say it this way, 100% convinced or 100% persuaded. But also notice that Abraham went from weak in faith, laughing at the idea that this miracle would happen in his life, 
to progressing to a place in faith, strong in faith, not wavering, not staggering at what God had promised through unbelief, but strong in faith. And, and what does that look like? Being fully convinced that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Now, I want to come in there with you. Amen. I, uh, I got a bunch of pages of notes and and I'm really excited about this new uh, area of learning that the Holy Spirit's led us into concerning this subject of faith. And as many times as I've walked up those steps and stood behind um, that pulpit to teach on the subject of faith, just about every time, just about every single time, this thought comes to the surface in my heart, and that is, does everyone in here, does everyone who will listen to this message through the internet, um, online, do they all understand why faith is so important? And I know if that's all we ever talk about, we'll never get to some of these other things, these other deeper things, next level things. But there's, there's this very shallow concept that a lot of people have of faith that we need to really, I think, um, move beyond and understand that God has given to every one of us the measure of faith and that God has given us that measure of faith as a tool to use. Faith is how we overcome. Faith is how we rise above. Faith is how we receive and walk out everything that's been given to us. So when we, when we talk about the importance of faith, the only way to talk about um, you know, a, a, a subject of this kind that's any more important would be to talk about the subject of love. But even then, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us, now abides faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But that phrase, now abides, is talking about how faith, hope, and love all work together as a system that we see that love is, is, is what fuels, energizes the faith that you've been given. Walking in love is to walking in faith what gasoline is to your automobile. It fuels it. It energizes it. Now, this is what, and I'm going to kind of just, I'm not asking you to speak up tonight. I'm not asking you to shout anything out at me. But when we understand he says this let me let me give you this passage too out of first john 5 he says that faith is the victory faith is the victory anybody like to win faith is how we win any area in life that you want to keep losing at just keep leaving faith out of it and you'll keep losing but if there's something in your life that you want to succeed in, that you want to be victorious in, then we've got to figure out how in a practical way to get faith connected with that part of your life. So you understand what I mean? This, a lot of people have this shallow concept, you know, let me tell you about my faith, you know, let me share my faith. And I'm not trying to trivialize that, but, you know, sometimes we, again, we just have this, this general, almost vague concept of faith and faith is anything but vague. 
faith is is specific. It's it's laser like in you know Jesus spoke to things by faith and changed them and moved them and corrected them and altered them and healed them and clearly instructed you and me to do the same thing. Your faith will do everything Jesus' faith did. And that's what He was saying in Mark 11 when He said, have the faith of God. The the disciples were were so caught up in marveling at what they watched Him do. And Jesus was like, I'm not showing off here. I'm teaching you. I'm not not trying to impress you. I'm trying to train you. I'm not trying to, to wow you. I'm trying to howl you. Trying to teach you how to do this. Now, here's, here's kind of how the Holy Spirit, I say kind of how, I mean, it's exactly how He, he told me. He said, I, I want you to ask them about unresolved issues in their life. I want you to ask them tonight about some problem, some issue. I'm not, again, I'm, this is between you and the Lord right now in your heart. But something that you need to change. You, when I say you need to change, something that, that I don't mean like you need to gain some weight or lose some weight. That's, that's not what I mean. Although faith is, is applicable in that situation. But some issue, some problem, maybe it's something in your health, maybe it's something in your family, maybe it's something in your finances, maybe it's some kind of legal issue, some kind of lawsuit, or some kind of legal action, or even some kind of charges that, that you may be dealing with. Maybe, maybe it's, it's uh, some unresolved problem in a relationship. I, I, don't, I don't know what the case is, but, but again, I'm asking you tonight to get whatever that may be in your individual life, um, let's, let's get that up on the table for a moment. Here's what I mean. A lot of times we like to keep that stuff under the table, not think about it, okay? Well, but when it, I'm talking about things that if, if you allowed it, it would torment you when you try to sleep at night, and it would be one of the first things that comes to your mind when you wake up in the morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. All right, so I want you to kind of settle in on what that one thing um, is for you. And again, for some of you in here, it may be something really serious. It may be, you know, some really critical thing. Uh, for others, it, 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 you know, it may not be that big of a deal. Things are, are going pretty well in your life, but still, you know, some issue, some situation, all right? Now, I'm, you know, it's like, where's the Jeopardy clock? Dun, 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 dun. Or is I really, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving this the way the Holy Spirit told me to give it to you, okay? Now, once you get that kind of settled in your heart and mind, and I'm not, you know, for you it may be five or six things, but I'm talking about that one thing. I'm talking about that one thing. Amen? You feel me on one thing? Okay. All right. Now, here's the next question. What are you saying in your heart about that one thing? What questions are you asking yourself about that unresolved issue? What thoughts persist in your mind when it comes to that thing, whatever that thing is. Because the good news that I have for you tonight is this. Faith is the victory that will overcome 
I don't, when I say I don't care what it is, I don't mean that I don't care that you've got a problem. That's not what I'm saying. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. Faith is the victory that overcomes this world and everything in it. Jesus said it this way, with, with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Okay? And then he went on to say, to him who believes, all things are possible. So, when we're talking about this situation, this issue in your life, that we need some resolution, we need some victory, we need uh, to, to, to get this thing behind us and, and let's move on, all right? Again, when you think about this, what are the thoughts? What are you saying in your heart? And, and, and most importantly, what questions do you ask yourself? Now, I got two things that I'm basing this on. The first one is the most important. That's the Word of God. And it is common to the human condition when we face a challenge or a problem or a difficulty in life because we were created by God to, to overcome. We were created to dominate in our domain. We were created to have dominion. That's what dominion means. So if we are not on top, we want to be on top. If we are not winning, we want to win. Nobody likes to lose. Even if we've gotten used to losing, we still we still don't like it because we weren't created for it. We were created to rule and reign in life. We were created to win in life. We were created to be victorious in life. Not, not in some situations, not even in most situations, but in every situation. Always causes you to triumph. Not, not sometimes causes you, always causes you to triumph. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. Amen. So again, again, the, the world says win some, lose some. That's part of that probability thinking that we've started to talk about on Wednesday nights. Where, you know, you can't win them all. That's what the world says. That's not what God says. God never said you couldn't win them all. Amen. But you win them all by faith. You can't win them all in the flesh. You can't win them all by, by playing the odds, by working the system, by manipulating uh, people. But you can be victorious in every situation by faith. By faith. Now, I said there was two things. Number one, I believe, based on the Word of God, that when, we're, when we face these situations, because we were created to be victorious, because we were created to be above and not beneath, the head and not the tail, right? That we try to resolve a problem. Now, I know that's probably a no-brainer, but when I say we try to resolve it, we begin to look where? Not just outside of ourselves for answers. We may ultimately look there but we look first internally. We begin to weigh our options. We begin to consider what we can do 
and where we can turn and what is available to us. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just, when I say it's, it's natural to the human condition or common to the human condition, and, and so when you look at the Scriptures, we see time and time again when people faced challenging and difficult situations that they begin to ask themselves questions and, 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 and talk to themselves inwardly. Inwardly. Okay? So the, the biblical example that we looked at last Wednesday night, and if you weren't here for that, please, you can, it won't cost you a penny. It'll just cost you a little time and effort. Please listen to that sermon. P- pl- please allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life what He is wanting to speak into your life through that message. It's, it's titled, Is Anything Too Hard for the Lord? All right? And, and what we looked at was when God made this promise to Abraham and Sarah, their initial response was to laugh, and then they asked questions inside of themselves. All right? Now, if, if you did our little exercise a moment ago, I'm sorry, I'm going to trivialize that. If you did that spirit-led, inspired, extremely important exercise a while ago, then you have at the forefront of your mind a problem, an issue, unresolved issue, physical healing, financial, whatever, okay? You, you got that there. Now, has that problem ever asked you a question? And, and I heard some of you say yes. What I mean by has that problem ever asked you a question? How are you going to fix this? How are you going to pay for this? How are you going to get out of this? How are you going to change this? How, what are you going to do about this? Right? That's what I mean. These questions, right? How are you going to pull this off this time? Well, you burned all your bridges. What are you going to do now? How is this going to, you know, all these questions. And, and what that is, it's, it's, it's what the Bible calls this word consideration. We're considering, which means we're thinking through things carefully by these questions that our problem is feeding us. And so we see this in Abraham and Sarah, but we see it in in other people's lives in the Bible as well. This question that that they keep, um, you know, it keeps going over and over in our hearts. Now, we taught this some time ago. We'll come back to it just briefly tonight. The mistake that many people make in the body of Christ today is they take the questions that their problem is asking them and they just turn right around and they ask God that same question. So the, so the, so the bill says, how are you going to pay me? And we say, God, how am I going to pay this bill, right? In other words, the, 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 the problem says, how are you going to get out of this? And we go to God, how am I going to get out of this, right? So we, we are saying to God what our problems are saying to us. And we think that's faith. That is not faith. That is more than likely complaining and whining. Faith is not when you say to God what your problem is saying to you. Faith is when you say to your problem what God has already said about it. 
Faith is when you start talking to the problem, not talking to God about the problem, but talking to the problem about God. When you start telling uh, you know, the, the, the sickness, the chronic illness in your life, what God has said about your healing, what God has said about your family, what God has said about your children being saved, what God has said about your finances. See, that's faith. That's a, that's a completely different shifting. Now, I'm going to get back to my notes in a moment. Let me just, I'm going to stay right here for a minute. It's what I feel like I need to do. All right. <clears throat> Human reasoning consideration, that's the word that you know, we're, as long as Abraham considered the condition of his body, the age of his body, the condition of Sarah's body, the age of her body, as long as that was what he considered, as long as that was what he thought through carefully, it kept him weak in faith. There came a point in Abraham's journey that he shifted away from considering his and Sarah's age and condition of their body to considering what the Lord had said to him on the day that he made them this promise. And that too came in the form of a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord. Now, if you will begin to consider in light of whatever it is that you're dealing with in your individual life, not the impossibilities that seem and, and all this, and I'm gonna, we're going to define some of those words, if not tonight, in the very near future. But if you'll begin to replace, you see, you, you can't replace wrong thoughts, in other words, let me say it another way. It's in my notes. I got it written in my notes better, but the Holy Spirit's going to help me. I mean, He helped me write it in my notes. So listen to me very carefully. How do you effectively not consider something negative? The only way you practically effectively stop considering something negative is to consider something positive. Thank God we can't consider two things, opposite things at the same time. So if you're considering how old, you know, if Abraham's considering how old he and Sarah are, if, as long as he's considering we couldn't get pregnant when we were in our 20s, he's going to remain weak in faith. He's going to keep staggering at what God promised him. And he is not going to become fully, fully convinced, fully persuaded. But when he shifted out of that consideration considering not his age and Sarah's age, his condition, his situation, her situation. When he stopped considering that and shifted over. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically say this, but I believe by the Holy Spirit, and, and, and again, notice it says that he uh, gave glory to God. Verse 21 is still on the screen. And being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised he was also able to perform. He was able to perform. That to me lines up directly with what the Lord asked them that day. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, I'm not trying to hammer you or get you under conviction or, or I, whatever. I'm just, listen to me. Listen to me. If you haven't said that a couple of hundred times since last Wednesday night, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. I know that's strong. I know that's a strong statement, but listen to me. We have to deliberately, intentionally not consider how bad it is, how bad it looks, how bad it seems, how bad it feels. Which means we're going to have to deliberately, intentionally say something else in our hearts for a change. I want you to go to sleep tonight saying over and over, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And you say, Pastor Mark, I just, I don't, I'm not getting that, I'm not feeling that, I mean, that's fine, you can talk about that and all that stuff, but that's just not for me. Listen to me, please. We try to make decisions based upon where we are right now, and, and you, you've got to understand that you've got to activate some things in your life. You're, you're making decisions for tomorrow and you haven't done what the Lord is trying to tell you to do right now. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And so when those thoughts and questions, that's the enemy trying to take advantage of the natural way that we have learned to solve problems. He's trying to take advantage of that in your life you scrambling for an answer, you trying to, if I just think about it hard enough, just think about it long enough, if I just, you know, surely something's going to come to me, surely something's going to... And what we don't realize is by asking ourselves that question, by saying those things in our heart over and over and over again, we're keeping ourselves weak in faith. We're keeping ourselves in, from becoming fully persuaded, fully convinced. We're staggering at the promise of God which says you are healed, which says you are rich which says your family is saved, which says you are free. I've used this example before while I'm standing here. We used to, we get cabinets delivered down to the cabinet shop and um, they'd be in boxes and, you know, if it was just a, a, a base cabinet, you know, like, you know, maybe a door in one drawer, you could grab one of those pretty quick and, and, and go with it. But every now and then there'd be a stack of drawers you know, 27-inch wide cabinet with four or five drawers in it, and them dudes were heavy. But they looked like all the other ones, same size box, right? So you'd be grabbing those light ones, grabbing those light ones, somebody'd be sliding them to you, and all of a sudden you'd grab one, and it was, oh, man, oh, right? You just grabbed a hold of something that, that was too heavy for you. It, it staggered you. In other words, you couldn't take it and run with it. You couldn't take the promise of God concerning your life and run with it. You staggered instead of running. Couldn't carry it off. Couldn't, couldn't walk it out. Abraham staggered. When God told him, you and your 80-something-year-old wife fixed to have a baby, it staggered him to the point that he fell on his face before God and laughed out loud. Staggered him. Staggered him, right? Boy, there came a day when it didn't stagger him. He didn't get there by keeping on asking that same question. How can a man my age have a son? How can a man my age have a son? And even if I could have a son, how in the world could I have it with Sarah? 
she's way past, she's 40 years past having children. How in the world? See, as long as he asked himself those questions, he was staggering at that promise. He, he was weak in faith. He was anything but fully convinced. But then he started giving glory to God. See, when you stand before God and say, Father, is there anything too hard for you? When you begin to set your heart and mind on the God who can breathe planets out of his mouth, stars and galaxies. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So as he began to simply give glory to God, notice what he became fully convinced. He became fully convinced that God was able to perform it. He didn't ask Abraham and Sarah to figure out some way to pull it off. He asked them to believe that he was able to do what he said was going to be done. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let me... Um, I want to give you some definitions, all right? Um, and when we look up this word consider, this is important now. I've already mentioned that it means to think carefully about. To think carefully about something to make a decision. But listen to this next part of the definition. To think about and be drawn toward a course of action. So what he's saying here is that when we do this thing called consideration... As our minds sort through all the different things we found on the internet, as our minds sort through, you know, what other people that we've talked to who face similar situations did, how they dealt with it, how they handled it, what, what, what doctor did they use? And I'm not against doctors, just hear me. But see, notice, what are we, what are we doing with all of these considerations? We're, tr we're being drawn towards a course of action. Now, here is the main thing that I want you to see about consideration. Consideration pulls you in a specific direction. That's important now. Because if you're considering the wrong things, you're going to be pulled in a wrong direction. What Abraham was initially considering was pulling him away from faith, was pulling him away from becoming fully convinced, was pulling him away from uh, the fulfillment of God's promises to him and, and keeping him in a state of weakened faith and, and causing him to continue to stagger at what God had, had told him. And by the way, where did he stagger or what did his staggering look like? Every time he asked himself that same question about his age and, 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 and her womb and, and, and all that, it, it kept him, it caused him to stagger. But man, when he stopped even considering that and just began to, to simply consider what God said is anything too hard for the Lord. And I mean, listen, when I say, say that, confess that, I mean, give it, that's what meditation means from a biblical perspective, is to mutter to oneself. And then as you ask yourself that question, begin to think about what he's already done. Think about creation. Think about his wisdom. Think about, 
And then ask it again, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord, right? Think about the things He's done for you in the past. You're feeding something inside of yourself. It's growing. This faith that He's given you, this measure of faith, is becoming stronger and stronger. The word convince, it means to bring, as by argument, to belief, consent, or a course of action. So notice there it is again. I was, I was so amazed when I saw course of action in both of those definitions. So consideration is how we internalize and process based upon what we're, we're focused on and thinking about. It draws us toward a course of action. And, and then eventually, as we become convinced, we will settle on that course of action. So do you see, if, if we're considering the wrong thing, our course of action, because faith without action is dead. But if we're not considering the right things, it's going to pull us towards a course of action. Again, we're going to be saying things and doing things completely outside of what God would have had us do had we considered the right things and been drawn towards that course of action. Amen. Amen. All right. Last thing. And um, we'll get into some verses and all on this. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart this afternoon. And, and I really wanted time to develop it, get it up on the screen and all that stuff, and it, it keeps surfacing in my heart, and I keep saying, well, next week, and it surfaces in my heart, and I say next week, and so it, next week, but let me give you this this week, okay? There was a time in David's life where he learned to trust God, and, and we see that came from all those nights taking care of his father's sheep, singing songs to the Lord on his harp, and talking about the greatness of God, the provision of God, the, the love of God, the loving kindness of God, the power of God, the creative ability of God, the, um, you know, just on and on and on and on, the strength of God, the might of God, the glory of God. It just, you know, that's what he basically did. I mean, it, you know, I mean, just, and so then all of a sudden a bear comes, a lion comes, and, and you know, he, he's so developed and so powerful in faith, he kills the bear, he kills the lion, and, and then, of course, we know that he kills Goliath. And, and we see David had such trust. And trust is just another faith word. It's a practical faith word, right? Had such trust in God. But there came a day when he wanted to take a census. He wanted to number his people. He wanted, he wanted to see how big of a nation it was that he was king over and how vast of an army he had at his disposal. How many horses and how many chariots and how many swordsmen and how many spear and bow and arrows and all these other things, right? And the Lord told him not to do it. But he did it anyway. And he got in a lot of trouble. Now you think, well, what was the big deal about that? Well, it comes back to this issue of trust. And only two things could have happened by David following through on doing all that counting. Number one, if 
he counted and realized that he had a much larger army than he even knew and more horses and more chariots and more, all that, right? Well, his trust would have a tendency to move away from God to the strength of his military. Or, if he did the counting and realized that they were much smaller than other nations around him, it would cause him to be in fear. And what we see throughout the Scriptures, all the way back even in the book of Exodus, is that the people of God are not supposed to be trusting in horses and chariots and arrows and spears and swordsmen. We're supposed to be trusting in God. Now, notice when you start adding up things like that, you're shifting from, with God all things are possible. That's what I call possibility thinking. We'll develop this more. Again, I just want to give you this part. I feel like I'm supposed to, and so just thank you for bearing with me for another minute. David went from his trust in a God that all things were possible for and to and through to now we're going to look at the size of our army and based upon how big our army is compared to the nations, other nations' armies, what are the likelihood that we could beat them in battle? You see this? He shifted from possibility thinking to probability thinking. It's carnal. It's, it's carnal. It's, it's part of the carnal mindset. But what I want you to see, and I'm, I just go ahead and stand. I'm, I'm praying right now, okay? But what I, what I want you to see, please, is the deceptive nature of probability thinking. The Holy Spirit said this to me today. Matter of fact, I had to turn off what I was listening to and I was driving and I, don't, I can't type and drive, so I dictated it. But he said that, that probability thinking provides deceptive mental comfort. In other words, we, we look at the chances, the, the odds, because we're trying to find something somewhere in our situation that will make it more likely for it to turn out in our favor. And we, if we can find something like that to hook our mental train to, it provides some type of comfort for us. Okay, That somebody else had similar charges and this is the only sentence they got. Okay. <laughs> or somebody else had a similar diagnosis and this is how they treated it. Somebody else faced the same situation with the IRS and they had their... So in other words, we're looking for something that says, okay, the chances then of this working out favorably for me are at least better than 50% or whatever. And so we, we do that but, and, and it gives us some sense of peace, but that's, that's not the peace that comes from faith. See, with, with God, it doesn't matter what happened in other people's situations. You're not other people. Let Him be God in your situation. But the deceptive nature of this is we put our confidence in how big our army is. We put our confidence in how good our lawyer is. We put our confidence in... No, 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 no. It's how good our God is. It's how big our God is. It's how rich our God is. It's how wise our God is.
That's not faith in probability. That's faith in God's ability. His ability. Notice Abraham became fully convinced that God was able to do what God said he could do. Amen. Anything other than that would not have been genuine faith. Amen. Father, you're good to us and we love you. Thank you for life and peace that everything that we put our hands to this week prosper for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. I hope that you're getting some stuff out of this. Please, please, please do what the Holy Spirit is saying. Begin to replace those wrong thoughts and questions with the right kind of thought and question. In Jesus' name, you'll be blessed.